just going to uh, open with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you this morning for the word. Lord, that your word brings life. We thank you for your, your desire, your plans, your purposes for our life. Lord, we just commit this service to you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to anoint my words as I speak. Let these words be your words. Let us catch your heart this morning as we hear what you have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to start off with a story of the watchman. One night, a young watchman stood silently at his post on the wall. The cool Judean night caused an involuntary shiver. It had, been a, it had been a quiet evening. A few latecomers were allowed through the gate, but nothing else. It was almost time for his shift to end when his eyes caught a glimpse of something glowing over the nearest hill to the north. Peering into the darkness, his gut feeling told him something was amiss not too far from the city. It could be a movement of enemy troops with their torches betraying their position. Of course, it could just be a campfire of travellers. But why now? Why in the middle of the night? Whatever it was, the young watchman's orders were clear. If you see anything of concern, you sound the alarm. So, raising the trumpet to his lips, he sounded three short blasts that would bring his superiors to the wall. Within minutes, the quiet sentry post was filled with soldiers. An armed scouting party was sent to the general area of the fire. The glow from behind the hill died down, and soon the soldiers returned. A shepherd's hut caught fire, with a gust of wind blown across the shepherd's sleeping coals and ignited the thatch. Though the fire was not a danger to the city, the watchman was commended by his commanding officer for his sharp eyes. It could easily have been a threat that would have been stopped by the watchful eyes of the young man. He was the very reason the city was safe, and this was the very reason why watchmen stand at their post. So today's message I've titled The Watchman. And a couple of weeks ago when I preached, uh, I preached on the Ten Commandments being a part of a marriage proposal between God and his church. And when I began to see this, I started thinking, how, I started thinking differently around my relationship with God. And I think it's important that we not just always stick with the one idea, but we stretch ourselves and we grow in our thinking. And uh, as I thought more about this, I thought, well, I've got different levels of relationships with people. I've got acquaintances who sort of know me. I've got friends who know me pretty well. They know what I like, what I don't like. They know some of my dreams, depends on the layer of friendship. And then I've got family, and then I've got my wife. And at each layer, there's more accountability, there's more responsibility, there's more uh, responsibility on my part to engage and to respond. So when it comes to you know, the greatest level of decision-making, uh, say with an acquaintance, the greatest level may be something like, where are we going to go for coffee and what time are we going to meet? Pretty, pretty heavy stuff in our society today. But when it comes to family, when it comes to my wife, I start planning my day with her in mind. I make decisions with her in mind. I start thinking, if I spend money on this, how will that affect our family? How will that do? And we're engaged together in conversation and planning. Our relationship with God should not just be, God, I've had a great night's sleep, we've had 15 minutes of prayer, and I'll catch you again tomorrow morning. God wants to walk with us every day. Every decision we make should be a decision made with him in mind. How will what I do in this area affect God? Because I am a representative of God on the earth, not as a pastor, but just as a Christian. You are representatives of God on this earth as Christians. Everything you do, everything you say, has an impact on Christ in all that we do. So if our relationship is supposed to be more of a marriage than a friendship, then there's a greater level of responsibility and intimacy required on our part as the bride of Christ. Amen? God needs to be intimately included in our decisions. 
He needs to be intimately included in our finances. He needs to be intimately included in our families. He needs to be intimately included in the day-to-day decisions of our lives because everything we do reflects him. When I married Robin, I chose to give up my right to be independent and to do everything I wanted. I chose to have her as part of my life in every way. My responsibility is now for her and I watch out for her. When I surrender my life to God, I chose to give up my right to be independent and do everything I wanted. I chose to have him as part of my life in every way. My responsibility is now to him and I watch out for him. See, our relationship with God isn't an acquaintance. It's not a friend. I've got some fairly close friends, but the stuff that I do day to day, I don't ring them up and ask them their permission whether I should, you know, how do I look in this shirt? Does this shirt need ironing? What do you think of this? My wife is the one who makes those decisions with me. The level of relationship with our spouse should be a greater depth than the level with our friends and with our acquaintances. The level of our relationship with God should be a much, much greater depth than just our friends. God wants to be more than a friend. He wants to be much more than acquaintance. Amen? So everything we do has to be with God in mind. And after I was preaching that message, for the last two weeks I've had the phrase watchman prayer ringing within my mind. And, and I knew I was to, pray, to preach on this uh, this week and I wrestled putting this together, asking God, what does he want? But I started thinking of this topic in line with a marriage. How do, how do I respond to God from a marriage concept? Not just friend, but marriage. And, and, and it's changing the way I think on things and, and the way I deal with things with God. So looking at the topic of the watchman, uh, in his book, The Lost Art of Intercession, James Gall says, a watchman on the wall does many things. He carefully watches what is happening and alerts the community when good ambassadors approach the city. The guardsman then will open the gate and lower the bridge so ambassadors may enter. A watchman also warns the city far in advance when an enemy approaches. He sounds the alarm to waken the people because he knows to forewarn them is to alert them. Then they quickly can rally and take their stand on the wall against the enemy when he wrongfully tries to enter the city. The watchman knows that he has a role to play in the safety of the kingdom. And what I found interesting is that a good watchman could actually see, because quite often messengers would come with news to the city of a battle of something like that, and the watchman could actually look out and just by seeing the stride of the person, tell who that person is. That such was their experience. They, they knew this person running must be this person, and they'd say who it is. So they knew this is news coming of the battle, this might be someone bringing some information. So a watchman's role was very, very important. And, uh, and I was reading an article on, on watchman prayer, and there was one guy who was an ex-Vietnam vet, and he said, when I was in Vietnam, we had a watch duty at night. While the troops slept, we were assigned to stay awake with careful attention, looking into the darkness. The safety of the sleeping troops was our mission. And after reading this blog, I thought of the watchman being called for safety and benefit of those sleeping. Sometimes the watchman gets upset with those who are not awake because he feels he's all alone, but this is wrong. We are watchmen because of our love for the sleeping. Their sleep is not sin. When the morning light shines, they will awaken. And I thought it was interesting. There's two, there's two points he brings up in this. The first thing is a love for the sleeping. And as Christians, we need to have a love for the sleeping. I'm not talking a love for the lazy I'm talking a love for those who are doing something different, whether it's another form of ministry or you know, whatever. We have a responsibility to look out for our fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Just as a soldier who's on watch duty has a responsibility to protect those that he fights with. 
Every soldier has to have the other soldier's back. And the other one, he says that we were assigned to stay awake. And I thought that was interesting because so many people, so many Christians say, oh, that's not my ministry. It's not my ministry. Prayer, it's not my thing. But a soldier doesn't ask permission, can I go and watch duty tonight? He is assigned that, permission, that, that job. He is assigned a task to do. And throughout the Bible, we see time and time again that the requirement for us as believers is to be watching and praying. We need to see ourselves as watchmen and watchwomen. I want everyone to say this with me. I am a watchman. It's my responsibility. It's an interesting concept because so often we, we think, uh, I was thinking of it this morning, it's, it's, it's a fun thing to fight. A lot of men go, I just want to be in the battle. I want to fight. A lot of people don't want to be on guard duty. It's boring. And yet the Bible very, very clearly says that we are all to be watchmen. We are all to be looking out for attacks and things that may be coming. And when somebody enlists in the Defence Force, they're sworn in. They hand over their identity as an individual and they swear to serve the Queen and her successors as a member of the Defence Force to resist her enemies and faithfully discharge their duties according to the law. They hand over their identity and, and become a possession or a, a piece of ownership, I guess, from the country for the Queen. And a friend of ours joined the Defence Force recently and uh, when he left, his mother was not even allowed to drive him to the airport. And when asked why, it's like he's not yours anymore. He's ours. And yet that shouldn't be a surprise for us as Christians because we know that when we give our lives to Christ, we are not our own anymore. You don't have any rights. For those who like to do their own thing, I'm sorry, but you've lost your right to do that. We're all watchmen for Christ. As Christians, one of our duties is to be a watchman. Now, there's a difference between watching and seeing. Who likes to watch TV, movies, football, sports, whatever else? A few people. How many can remember every single detail from those games as you watch them? We watch it, but we don't really watch it. But if we're studying for an exam, then we're watching, we're studying. If you're studying the stock market, you're studying, you're, you're ready to respond, you're looking for an action. If you're following a bid on eBay, you're waiting for that moment when you hit the bid now button because you want to win. You're watching in greater detail. And it's so easy for us to watch or to look but not see. Now, how many people have ever seen one of these? It's a stereogram, 3D magic. Now, the concept is really quite simple. What do you see? Colours. colours. Just a mass of colours on the screen. Now, it's, I tried it earlier. I can do it from the back, but it's not as easy in here because your eyes are already used to looking into the distance. So you may struggle with this. Who's actually worked it out already what it is in there? Mary thinks she has. Have a look at something like two dots. The idea... There's multiple ways you can do it, but the idea is to look through those two dots until those two dots become one. Now, normally when you've got the book in front of you, you stick it right on your nose and you'll bring it back bit by bit till it, till it blurs and becomes an image that you can see. It's a bit harder when it's a distance, so we may or may not be able to do it today. But you look through those two dots until they become one dot, 
And then you see, eventually, once you can start seeing something, your brain starts to create the image of what's actually there. How many people can see it? Like I said, it's not easy in this room. What do you think it is, Mary? Okay. It's not Rosella's. <laughs> no. A man sitting on a rock? No. A whole lot of people? No. Definitely not penguins. <laughs> Sorry? No. It's actually a chipmunk. And I think it's called Psycho Nuts is the image. But if you Google Psycho Nuts and try it on your computer screen at home, what happens is as you start to look at this, it no longer becomes a blob of colours on the screen. It actually becomes a chipmunk. You can see the nuts on the ground. You can see him holding. You can see his whiskers. You can see the whole lot in a three-dimensional image. That, uh, that purple line about there becomes the bottom of a, a flat wall and the wall comes out. The whole thing becomes a complete three-dimensional image and it's your brain actually reprogramming itself to look differently at this image once, once it actually engages and says, this is the switch point. It's really quite amazing. How many actually did these when they came out years ago? Who, who was able to do them effectively? It took a little while, and it does take a bit of time for your brain to engage, but the key with this point, what I'm trying to get at is, you can, you can look at it, but not see what it is. And with this image, it seems like everyone today can look at it, but not see what it is. A watchman has to look and see. A watchman doesn't just stand there at night time and have his eyes open and go, oh yeah, well, I'm on watch duty, how boring is this? Oh, look at the pretty stars. Because the enemy might be coming up, he has a job, to protect those he is protecting. He has a job to look, he has a job to watch. Now, who can see a problem with this image? This one on the screen. It's a little bit hard to see, so I'll, I'll change it slightly, take the words off. Can anybody see the problem now? I'll give you a hint, it's hiding in the darkness. Funny thing, that, that's how the enemy likes to work. If I remove the darkness, now who sees the problem? There's a fire on the right-hand side. Now think, what is the problem with this scenario? What's the watchman's job? To raise the alarm. What's the watchman doing? Staring. He is looking but not seeing. The problem with this scenario is that the watchman is staring out, doing his supposed job, but he's not seeing the danger to the city, he's not raising the alarm, and if that fire gets too much closer, people's lives are in danger. The problem with the church today is that so many people spend so much time on Facebook, staring at their phones, looking at TV screens, playing computer games, not actually saying, God, what are you showing me? There's not enough watchmen in the church today praying spiritually for the protection of the church. And the enemy comes in subtly and says, I'm just going to try little things here and there. Over the years, we've seen the, the erosion of families and marriages and, and leadership within the, within the home. We've seen the erosion of the definition of marriage. We've seen the breakdown of, of saving babies' lives that they really don't matter anymore. Bit by bit by bit by bit, the enemy comes in and just tries to bring things in subtly. And the thing is, too many Christians are seeing subtle changes 
but not really seeing what's going on. As Christians, we need to be looking and, and seeing, God, what do I need to see in here? Because the role of a watchman, as we see on this picture, is an active role. Like I said, people want to fight. I've been a fireman. I know what it's like to fight a fire. It's fun. It's adrenaline burning. It's exhausting. There's stories come out of it. There's friendships come out of it. When you're fighting with a team of people, there's a whole lot of stuff. I can still remember some of the fires that I've fought and who I fought them with. There's things that happen, but we can't always be fighters. Sometimes we have to be watchmen. Sometimes we have to look, God, what are you showing me? What's happening in the atmosphere today? What's happening within the church today? We need to be looking out at things in a greater way rather than just what we want to see. So what are we watching for? An example of what we need to look out for can be seen in Genesis. In 1 Genesis 2.15, we see the first time watching is used. It says, the Lord, the Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The word keep there means to protect, to guard, to watch. Now, if the Garden of Eden was perfect, there was no sin in the world, what did man have to protect it from? Who thinks they know? Who was Eve tempted by? Satan, the snake. They had a job to protect the Garden of Eden from the enemy. Their job was not just to tend to it, but to protect it, to watch out for it. And for us today, nothing has changed. We still need to be on guard today. You and I need to be watchmen today from the enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 warns us about our enemy and says, stay, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And the context of this verse is spiritual warfare. It mentions our adversary and challenges us to be watching both ourselves for our brothers and sisters, and for the church. The enemy walks around like a roaring lion. So many people are scared of him. The enemy might do this. It says like. It doesn't say he is. It just says like a roaring lion. He tries to pretend to be something he's not, but he walks around looking for those he might devour. We are created with dominion and authority in Christ that far exceeds him. So as watchmen, we need to be watching, and if we see him, we need to act. We either need to start praying and interceding, we either need to start gathering people around us to pray together or do something about it, but we cannot sit back and go, oh look, there's a lion. Wonder what it'll do next. Because his, his only plan and purpose is destruction. He doesn't care about the church, he doesn't care about your life, he doesn't care about your family, he wants to destroy you. And as gruesome, I guess, as that sounds, that's the truth. We have to be alert that the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. So the first uh, mention of the term of watching in Scripture gives us one of the primary responsibilities of the watchman. Stay on guard. Look out. As you're praying, God, do you need to show me something? Who's ever been praying or just even functioning through the day and suddenly felt, I have to pray for this particular person? Who's ever felt that? If God puts that on your heart, start praying. Don't go, oh, well, I've got to, yeah, I guess God bless them today. I heard Dutch Sheets, uh, in, in, as I was studying for this, I read a, a testimony that he had, and he, he said a number of times um, he would have people within his church, intercessors, come up and say, 
I was up all night praying for you last night. I just really felt a burden on my heart from, from two to six I was praying. Was everything okay? He says, yep. They said, oh, should I have been praying? He says, yep. I said, how do you know? He says, because everything was fine. Probably because you were praying. And we often go, well, maybe I was wrong. Well, what if you are? You've prayed blessing on someone. You've prayed for protection over someone. You've prayed for God to empower their lives. We have a responsibility as watchmen to guard the garden. We need to guard our city. We need to guard our home. We need to guard our family. We need to guard our nation. And we need to guard the church. Amen? You have a job to do. You are a watchman. And some people might say, well, if I saw things, I'd pray. Well, like I said, the enemy comes in subtly sometimes. So rather than just looking, you need to be seeing. God, what do I need to see? God, this, this person has come in and something's not sitting right. Well, you don't pray against the person. You just pray for your eyes to be opened or, or whoever's eyes need to be opened to be able to deal with the situation. But if God shows you something and God prompts you with something, we all have a responsibility to start praying. We all have a responsibility. If, that, if God shows that to me, there's a reason for it. I need to pray. And he might show you something and he may not show me. That doesn't mean the responsibility is passed on to me. If he's shown you, start interceding, start praying. God, deal with this situation. There might be things that people will talk to you about that they won't talk to me. In one of the articles I was reading, pastors, because of their upfront role, because of the way they engage everything, cop more criticism and condemnation from people than anybody else in the church. I can't always deal with that, but if you hear it, you can. Why? Because we need unity. We need blessing. I'm not the perfect pastor. I know that. You know that. And if you don't know that, you do now. <laughs> but I need you to pray for me. And if you hear things behind the scenes, you need to stop that. If you hear things about other people, you need to stop that. Why? Because you're a watchman. And if we allow gossip and slander to continue behind the scenes, it starts bringing death and destruction to the life of the church. Who's ever had kids in their family start niggling at each other? Just a little niggle. And you don't deal with it. What happens? Gets bigger, gets bigger and louder to the point you need to step in. We need to deal with the enemy at the niggle stage. When God starts showing us things, uh, this has to stop. Deal with that now. Because if we don't, it gets bigger and bigger. As watchmen, we have a responsibility to step in and do things. <clears throat> Adam and Eve were to protect the garden from the enemy. And God warned the early church to also watch out for the enemy. And the reality is that from the garden to the early church, nothing has changed for us today. So if Adam and Eve had to watch out for the enemy and the early church had to watch out for the enemy, guess what? You have to watch out for the enemy. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. 2 Corinthians 11 says, In order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. And if we look at that in the Greek, the, the Greek breakdown of that is to the degree that we are ignorant of the way our adversary thinks and operates, of his plans, plots, schemes and devices, to that degree... He will gain on us, prey on us, defraud us of what is ours and have hold of the greater portion. He has no right to have any portion of what God owns. But if he can come in subtly and defraud us of that, he'll try and take it away. Our job as watchmen is to watch and it is to pray. 
It's not someone else's responsibility. We all have to do it. As I said earlier, soldiers are actually assigned a job. Tonight, you're on watch duty. So if you were to walk away from this place and go, I'm not going to leave it to someone else. I'm going to be on watch duty. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to add watching to my job description as to what I do. Because the enemy is out to steal, kill and destroy and our job is to watch and pray. And sometimes, like I said, God might put something on your heart to pray for someone and and people might say, but I don't have the gift of intercession. Well, I don't have the gift of evangelism but I still have to evangelise. And this might be stepping on some people's toes but there is no gift of intercession mentioned anywhere in the Bible. There's people who pray well there's people who are skilled at praying and they've developed that and that's an area that they're passionate about. There's people who are passionate about worship. There's people who are passionate about studying the word. But all of these are just things in our life that we all have to do. Intercession is one of the things I have to do. Prayer is one of the things I have to do. Studying the word is one of the things I have to do. Worshipping God is one of the things I have to do. And the word intercede comes from a Latin word, intercedo, which means to come between. I see in the Bible there's a gift of faith, there's a gift of prophecy, and people that we might call intercessors may operate strongly in those. But we are all called to pray, we are all called to intercede, we are all called to prophesy. You may not be a prophet, but you're called to prophesy. So as God speaks to you, you start praying because you are capable of changing the world, and God knows that and so does the enemy. And that's why he's going to come in and try and say, you can't do this. Now you might say, but this isn't normal for me. It doesn't feel comfortable. I don't like praying for more than two minutes. Well, pray for two minutes. Start stretching yourself. I had a, uh, I had a shoe repair shop. It was my first trade. And I had a sewing machine just like this one. It's operated. It's not machine. It's not electronic. It is purely manual. You operate it by hand and foot. And I'd get the machine rolling with the turntable on the right-hand side and then your foot takes over and with my foot, I can get that machine running at high speed. I can, I can do a whole lot of stuff with it and I can stop that machine suddenly by slamming my foot down on the, uh, on the treadle at the bottom and spinning the belt and actually everything stops. You become very experienced on it, but when you actually break your foot like I did and you have to continue operating the machine, you then have to learn to use your other foot. And it took me a period of time, but I actually became ambidextrous on the machine. And so on some of these long jobs, I could just swap feet in the middle and rest my foot. What I'm getting at is what may not seem normal to you can be developed. Praying for an hour can be developed. But start with what you can do. When I started to learn to use my left foot on this machine, it wasn't easy, it wasn't normal, but I knew I have to do this or I'm going to start losing money. Because when you break your foot, you're in a cast for six weeks. And six weeks without an income isn't a fun thing. So you know, I have to break through this. So let your mind spiritually be, I have to break through this. My job is watchman. My job is to pray. My job is to intercede for the church. My job is to intercede for the pastors. My job is to intercede for our leaders, for the leaders of our city, the leaders of our nation. That's our job. We need to pray. We need to be watchmen. I don't care what age you are. I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care if you're 90 years old. We all have the responsibility to be watchmen because God speaks to each one of us. And some people might say, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, guess what? You have a secret weapon. 
You have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, he, uh, he came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That word lo, you study the grammar point, means you need to know this. Jesus is saying, you need to know I will never leave you or forsake you. And shortly after that, he ascends and goes to heaven, never to return again. What was he saying? Well, if we look in John 14, 16, he says, I will pray the Father and send another helper. And the Greek there is alos. I will send you another helper just like me. But Jesus was one man. The Holy Spirit is with all of us. Jesus went up to return or send the Holy Spirit back. So God is now back in the earth fill the earth, you have the Holy Spirit with you, he will never leave you or forsake you, he empowers you and Acts says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The word receive means take possession of. If someone gives you a gift, you take possession of that gift. You take possession of the Holy Spirit, when you do, power comes upon you. You don't need to go, oh Holy Spirit, one day, please, please, please fill me. It says you take possession of. It's a gift that God is giving. He is here for you. I want to receive this because I want my prayers to be empowered. I want my spiritual walk to be empowered. I want my life to be empowered. I want my family to be empowered. Well, I need the Holy Spirit in me and I need to be praying and living my life with him every single day. Amen? Watching is not always easy. And like I said, the enemy walks around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. We stand as sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We stand with authority. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the Greek there, the word is superimpose. He literally superimposes himself on us so that everywhere I go, he goes. Everything I say, he says. Everything I do, he does. That's a really powerful thought for those who like to go out and party on Friday nights. Amen? The Holy Spirit will never leave you. So when you're praying, know that he is praying with you. When you're breaking down walls in the Spirit, know that the Holy Spirit is the one breaking those walls down. You just speak the words as he leads and you'll start seeing some great changes happen within your life. I've served in different ministries of church life for 33 years. I started when I was 15 in music. I got involved with youth ministry. I've worked with young adults. I've worked with old people. I've worked with kids. I've worked in administration. I've worked as a pastor, a preacher. I've done pretty much everything. But I know that as a church, we all have to do the work. I can't do everything on my own. The church doesn't run with two or three people on our own. The spiritual battle has to be fought, not just by two or three people, but by the whole team. You, know, you go into battle, the whole platoon fights. They don't go, um, Captain, there's an uh, enemy over there. We're just going to finish our coffee while you go deal with this. Thanks. <laughs> We laugh because we know it's stupid. As part of the platoon, you fight. The role of the church is to watch, it is to pray, it is to intercede. Jesus says to the disciples, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. They all had a responsibility to watch and pray. I'm just going to ask everybody to stand this morning.
And rather than an altar call, I want to ask people to respond to this message as watchmen and watchwomen. We all have leaders, volunteers, staff, people serving in different areas of church life. We have youth, young adults, men and women who serve on the front line in different areas of our church life. As a pastor, I know, and Robin knows too, how desperately we need to be covered in prayer from our congregation. I don't want just one or two people praying for me. I want the whole church praying for me because I so desperately need to know what God's steps are for us as a church. Because if I'm supposed to lead, I need to know where to go. And I need you guys to be praying for me. I need you to be praying for the eldership. I need you to be praying for the leaders of our church. And we also need to be praying for the churches across our city. Because sometimes we hear of churches that are going through struggles. And if we're part of the greater body of Christ, we need to, we need to gather alongside them. We need to be praying and interceding because we know that the enemy comes in to destroy. So we need to be responding to that. And so today I'm asking for you to respond as watchmen and watchwomen to commit and pray for us. I'm looking for men and women who will stand with me and pray for our church, pray for me, pray for our leaders, pray for Robin and I and our family, pray for our school and other ministries, the finances and the greater impact of our church in this community. If that's something you want to respond to, then I'm asking you to come forward as a sign of, yes, I'm in. So while we sing this song, don't wait. You just come forward and say, I'm in. Because the watchman is the one, he's got to make the first call. He's got to sound the alarm. He's got to be the one that says, hey, guys, I'm here. And I need people to know. So if that's you this morning, you come out. If you want to commit yourself to prayer for this, for this church, for our leaders, you come forward now. And we're going to just declare something together. Precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. I am washed, I am washed.
everyone to pray this with me now. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name I commit myself. I stand in this place as a watchman for your church. I will stand in the gap and pray. I will pray for our leaders. I will pray for their families. I will pray for our pastors and I will pray for our eldership for the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit to guide them daily in all they do. I declare that I will be faithful to your work. I will stand in the gap and I will seek your plans and purposes for this church, for this people, for our leaders, for our city and for this nation. Thank you for your calling. Thank you for your vision. Thank you for your plans and purposes for our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said earlier, most of you have come forward and I so appreciate that. For those who are still sitting back or you might be visiting from another church, you still have a responsibility to pray. You still have a responsibility to intercede. It's not just the responsibility of those people here, but let it be something that's part of your life every day. Pray for us as leaders. Pray for the vision of the church. Pray for the school. Pray for our council. Pray for our government. Pray. Because the prayer of a righteous person avails much. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, for the privilege we have to serve and to live our lives for you. We commit this day into your hands. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We just bless you. We honour you and we glorify your mighty name. In Jesus' name, amen.